technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution. A culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and driving the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. I'm being joined today by Eric Peters, Chief Technology Officer, and Jackie Ackerman, Vice President, Data and Analytics of Cognizante. All right, so Eric, we're going to start with you. More than ever, government healthcare agencies are expected to find innovative and cost-effective ways to deliver services with limited resources, while identifying ways to work with a whole-of-government frame of mind. What makes this moment in time so challenging, but also an opportunity for healthcare agencies to advance their missions? So what makes it challenging is they're both happening at the same time. So we've got uh, a situation where the volume of data is exploding exponentially. Um, and I'll touch on that here in a second about the different and varying domains. At the same time, resources are being constrained. So what, both happening at once is a bit of a tug of war. So let's talk about data for a second. So historically, healthcare data might have been very focused on the clinical data, the point of care data, or it might have been very focused on the claims data, the payment processing and the, and the compensation side. The relevance of data is broadening. The aperture is broadening in the healthcare delivery domain. So when you look at things like employment or uh, mental health or social determinants of health, uh, what is it about the geography in which an individual lives? What is it about uh, whether or not someone has moved, uh, demographics, bio, um, uh, genomics? And so there's a wealth of information that needs to be brought together. And so that volume is going up significantly. And as that volume goes up, silos have to break. Access to data has to be, has to be maximized where it can be. Uh, at the same time, you have resource constraints. And so you've got what would typically manifest as a limited amount of time. So the folks that are charged with looking for actionable intelligence within the data, figuring out where do we build the next facility? Where do we deploy a mobile vaccination center? How do we deploy particular assets or devices for monitoring? All of those insights, uh, there's fewer and fewer human hours to mine through this ever-increasing volume of information. And so the real challenge is that they're happening concurrently. So the opportunity is, and I think we'll touch on this here as we go through this uh, next handful of questions, the opportunity is, you know, we're fortunate that the technology is evolving rapidly as well and has been for some time and set us up for a position of success. So I think when we're looking at optimization of utilization of cloud, when we're looking at optimization of utilization of AI and machine learning, and we're hearing a lot about large language model solutions these days, typically you would hear them as chat GPT or Google Bard, et cetera. So we can probably touch on some of that as well. So the good news is we have additional tools at our disposal to handle this immense challenge of volume of data and limited time. But let me throw it to Jackie and just see if there's anything that she would want to add to that. 
Sure. And, you know, Eric did a great job of, of really capturing what the challenges are and what the opportunities are from the technology perspective. I'm going to take just a little bit of a different spin with, with my answer to this. Um, so one of the problems we've seen is the private sector explosion with data and analytics skill sets, the salaries um, going sky high on that side of the house. The government healthcare agencies are at a distinct disadvantage here because they can't necessarily um, support the high salaries or even have the positions available that the private sector is seeing. So they're forced to be very creative and resourceful in order to advance their missions. And, you know, it's not always technology that's going to do that for them. There's, there's combinations of things that can help them become more resourceful. Where I think there's an opportunity, in addition to what Eric said, is in government healthcare organizations, and, and in my experience, I've, I've worked in the DOD for 20 years. I've worked with government organizations through government contracting. One of the significant things I've noticed is that the, the employees in these agencies are very passionate about what they do. They're very passionate about their mission, very passionate about their job. And when you have passion fueling a purpose, you find that the creativity and the resourcefulness and finding innovative ways to move and advance missions, it becomes transformational in that space. Um, we do have, we have a director on our side, our director of data and analytics, Dan Hart, and he always finds teachable moments about doing more with less. He's a military veteran himself, and, and one of his favorite teachings, I guess I'll call it, is he likes to tell, you know, individuals who say, we don't have the resources to do that. How are we going to get this done? Um, we have technology, but it may not be the right technology. He loves to tell them, you know, think about innovations and where they come from. In the military in particular, innovations, a lot of them are born on the battlefield. And it's because you have a group of people who are very passionate about their mission, very passionate about what they're doing. And they work very hard to just find a creative way to solve a problem. They come together, they work as a team. And again, that's how these innovations are born and start to move forward. These are things like, you know, modern tourniquets or even critical care uh, air transport teams. And I think government uh, healthcare organizations have an opportunity here to tap into that passion that their people have, and then combine that with all the wonderful things Eric talked about from the technology perspective to advance their missions. Okay, so now for both of you, whoever wants to chime in, what is your perspective in using a holistic technologies mindset to solve that challenge? And more specifically, how can the combined use of cloud, data, and analytics, AI, and interoperability remove boundaries between public health agencies and other agencies dependent on them? I mentioned earlier the good news is the tools are now available to optimize this challenge of volume versus resource availability. And so a couple of things really come to the forefront. One is a cloud smart journey. So there's a lot of cloud migration that's happening. There's a lot of excitement about outsourcing your data center operations, for lack of a better term, and going to one of the large cloud service providers. But the next step of that journey is where toil can really be reduced. A lot of the manual work, a lot of the manual lift. You know, we spend so much time in data management, bringing data together, plumbing the data together, aggregating the data, trying to normalize the data, enriching data. There's so much effort that goes into just bringing that upon which you'll make decisions together that we don't get to spend as much time as we'd like on the insightfulness, mining the information, looking for trends and patterns, looking for insights, looking for things that can, where we can change our behavior, we can make a decision differently. 
You know, we talk often at Cognizante about, you know, we don't want to sell dashboards, we want to sell answers. And so if you look at a dashboard of information and your behavior doesn't change, that was wasted time. So to Jackie's point of how do we maximize efficiency of time, we want to make sure that if we're finding or we're looking at this information, we're spending most of our time trying to make sure that it's insightful. And the good news is, is the tools are availing themselves to that. So a couple of examples, uh, what we're seeing in the AI and machine learning space with large language models is that the effort required to normalize data, the effort required to map data to some of these more historical sort of very rigid rigid standards, um, that is waning. Um, and so as data lakes are born and become more robust, as the ability to use natural language processing where the machine is doing a lot of the interpretation, understanding that that is a name, that is an age, that is a gender, et cetera, so that that toil-based, repetitive uh, work is something that a machine can do and excels at, and then we can optimize that in the cloud. And so now we're able to get the data together faster. We're able to uh, aggregate the data faster. We're able to get it into a position where now we can build a dashboard, look for an insight, spend a lot of business analysis time working with end users, understanding the challenges that they're facing and the questions that they're trying to answer. And the last thing that I'll close with, and again, I'll see if Jackie wants to, to, to add to this, is that the, the heavy lift of interoperability is trending massively downward. Um, and so this enables not only from a standards of data perspective, what does the data look like? Can I make sense of it? Can I correlate it with other data sets? But also from a security and privacy perspective where you can potentially deeply de-identify data. And what I mean by that is you can find in the unstructured data the pieces of information that might convey someone's unique identity. And we can find ways to allow for the power of machine learning and the power of natural language processing and the power of large language models to find that on, on our behalf, remove and tokenize that information so that it's now that individual has been de-identified. And that can lower the barriers of interoperability, can lower the barriers of reciprocal use, it can lower the barriers of data access so that we can get more unfettered access to data. We can uh, analyze it at a cohort level, make it more actionable while also concurrently protecting an individual's identity. So that's just a couple of examples where the technology is really enabling us to focus on the mission and the outcome and the insights and less so on building the infrastructure and the topology to share data. Jackie, what, what might you add to that? I think what I would add to this is that cloud data and analytics, the AI technologies, all of that that's available today, it's all extremely capable, but they have to be architected and implemented correctly so they can function cohesively. Until we get that toil reduced down to zero, we still do need to be very aware of, of what are the contributing factors here and how do we make sure and ensure these uh, technologies function in the way that they need to. And I think when we put this in the term of holistic mindset, I think we have to pay attention to not only the technology, but also the people and the processes that drive that technology. The technology is a supporting role. It's the people and the processes that bring the power to reduce the barriers that we see, um, whether it's communication across the, the federal and state organizations, um, whatever that may be. They have the true power in the people and process side. Um, and then when you add all the great technology to it, it, it really just kind of blows it out of the water and makes interoperability 
um, seemingly less friction. Jackie, how does Cognizante help government organization with these challenges, specifically around data and analytics, while leading with privacy and security, building for interoperability, and ensuring data is reliable and accurate? It all revolves around the people, the processes, and the technologies. And I always say technologies last because I, I, I always think the technologies that supporting role. Um, Cognizante, I think, takes a pretty unique stance on this and the way that we help our customers and the organizations. We, we really take visualization to heart. We're all aware that visualization is a very powerful tool in data and analytics so we can, you know, spot trends and, and do analysis across the data. But visualization is also a tool that we use with our customers when we are trying to help them reduce the barriers and advance their missions. Uh, we use something called a data ecosystem framework. And this framework is a, a visualization of data management processes, those cumbersome processes Eric talked about that we still have to pay attention to a little bit until we can get that toil completely reduced. We visualize that in the form of data management functions and subfunctions. And literally, it's it's a graphic that's just a bunch of boxes. But what it does is it provides a powerful conversational tool with us and the customer. So we can use this data ecosystem framework, show them the data management processes, and here are all the elements we need to think about when we're thinking about putting all of this together for the purposes of insights. Um, and as we work through that, we can lay on top of it Okay, here are the skill sets you need to consider as you work through these data management functions and subfunctions. Here are the processes that we would recommend putting in place. And finally, here are the technologies that we think can pull it all together, but it puts it in a very powerful visualization format for them so that they understand, you know, what we're trying to present to them and they understand the value of each function and each piece and part. Um, it all works cohesively uh, as a team, and that data ecosystem framework is, a, again, a very powerful tool in allowing us to, to, to bring that team to bear to help the customer meet their needs. Eric? Agree with all of that, Jackie, absolutely. And I'll just add a, a different complementary lens to it, which is the how the end users are experiencing this process, right? So ultimately, in almost every case, we're providing data services, insight services, decision support services so that our customers can serve their end users or their customers. And so this could be a, a beneficiary of Medicaid or this could be somebody who has opted into a state health information exchange uh, or someone who is, who is, is participating in home telehealth as a, as a U.S. veteran. Um, and so in all of those cases, a couple of things that we really try to focus on to sort of round this out. One is in the privacy and security realm, how do we maximize awareness for those individuals? You know, I always use the example of if you were to look at my LinkedIn profile, I would know nearly instantly. Um, and yet if I've opted into an exchange of my clinical data at a very broad level, I wouldn't know if any particular physician looked at my data. So how do we empower those individuals from alerts, notifications, awareness perspective? Because I think with transparency, comes more openness. Adjacent to that is a real focus on human-centered design. Um, and this term gets used a lot, but in this particular case, what, what I mean is making sure that we're answering questions that folks care about with data. You know, we can, as, the, as a, tech, a technology-focused individual, I can measure my success by how much data I brought together, oh, petabytes and terabytes, and 
how many dashboards we built. But at the end of the day, if we're not changing the behavior of those we're empowering with this data, where they're making decisions differently and they're feeling that they have insights they didn't previously had, then we spent a whole heck of a lot of effort. And as we mentioned, as you inquired about in the very first question, resources are further and further constrained. We don't want to waste that effort on answering a question that nobody had or nobody actually carried, cared about. Um, and then the last thing I'll, I'll say is that we're very focused on the analysis side, and Jackie touched on this as well. Um, the, the movement, the birth of the large language models as chat GPT, Google Bard, et cetera, is really shifting focus away from development and code slinging and building extract, transform, and load models and the things that historically we might have really focused on and really shifting us towards more analysis. Empowering end users to describe in words a question they have or an insight they're seeking and having uh, the having the system build those insights for them on the fly. So that that's not going to happen overnight, but that is the trend that we're seeing that really has started in earnest this year. So that pushes us even more to focus more and more on the analysis, the business analyst, the end user question, making sure we're continually measuring that we're giving answers to folks that they actually care about. Okay. Well, Jackie, Eric, is there anything else either you would like to add? I will just add in closing, it's a, it's an immensely exciting time. I mentioned it a few times and, and those who know me, this it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise them that, you know, I, I think the birth of chat GPT and the, the adjacent uh, uh, technologies is an inflection point in our journey. And I think it's akin to the personal computer and the internet. And I think that we're only seeing the very, very, very small tip of the iceberg right now. Um, and I think in particular in this realm of data, managing immense volumes of data, ever growing volumes of data, allowing us to find the needle in the haystack or the signal in the noise, if you will. Uh, we're going to be more empowered in the coming years from this, uh, the launch of these technologies than I think we even realize right now. So it's, it's not going to be boring and it's going to be a very, very exciting handful of years as we go through this journey with our customers and our partners. I agree completely, Eric. Okay. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, check us out at govforum.io or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And please subscribe, give us five stars, and share with your friends.